Are you on the side of America or the Confederacy? No, it's not 1863, but President Biden has strong words for those who oppose his election legislation. We'll discuss what the president said recently in Atlanta and what it really means, and why is the U.S. Senate under attack from within? Happy Friday. I'm Justin Hall, Director of Communications here at Palmetto Family. The president recently made a trip down to Atlanta, Georgia this week to continue pushing two pieces of legislation, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. Now, as Dave and Mitch join me here, why is the president pushing these two pieces of legislation? It's because Build Back Better broke down. Yes, Build Back Better had, I mean, it was like a great, you know, alliteration. And that's about as far as it got, because as the president tries again and again to say, we've got to change the rules, he is pushing so hard to eliminate the filibuster in the Senate. The Senate is the deliberative body, for those of you who are following the civics lessons here. And the deliberative body takes its time. But, you know, there are such moves right now among the liberal wing of the political system to be able to go through and change the rules because we've got to push this stuff through because the reality is it doesn't really work. The, the, the programs that the president is pushing out there, they're just falling short because guess what? A lot of folks don't agree with him on these issues. Well, as it stands right now, the president's in a, in a very tenuous position. His approval rating is hovering around 40%, and within certain demographics, it's even lower. I mean, he's, he's, he's treading water barely. Disapproval rates uh, among independents yesterday was at 57%. And overall, he's minus 11 right. in terms of approval, disapproval. Ultimately, I think the uh, president's playing from a socialism deck of cards, and he keeps dealing bad hands. Um, first, it was Build Back Broker. I mean, Build Back Better, um, as our good Senator Scott would say. And now he's going back with that old faithful and trusty election reform, election integrity. And so ultimately, this is the next hand being dealt in the socialism platform or their playbook he wants to make sure that he he is continually uh they know that their time is short they know that the time that they have to get some of this liberal socialistic agenda through it's short very short they've only got a few months left and they are playing the hand now and of course as i've often said they're reframing once again reframing the narrative Well, they are. The thing is, Mitch, you mentioned the clock is ticking. Simply put, it appears, based on the polling data, and you take that however you want to take it, that it appears that the more conservative wing of the political system will take control of the House and the Senate in the 2022 midterms, which happen later this year. That would leave the president without a majority in either side of Congress, and his OSHA mandate just got struck down in the court. We signed on as a friend of the court brief to that. OSHA mandate case, and that was struck down in a 6-3 decision. So the president is now grasping at straws to get something done, to get a vital piece of legislation that he feels vital passed and through as a victory. So the president goes to Atlanta. He is joined by Vice President Kamala Harris, which is which is rare, um, to say the very least, to have both the president and the vice president speaking in one location. Uh, but they were both there in Atlanta and the president is pushing these two pieces of legislation. He feels he now he said this on January 6th of 2022 that there is a dagger at the throat of democracy. And now we appear to see that the only way to remove said dagger is to pass one of or both of these election 
reform, I put that in quotes, bills that will change the way we vote and will federalize our election system, which is just not what we do. The federal government having major control over ballot harvesting and the like. It's not not how the system was set up. Now, the president could have left it at just, we need to pass this legislation. And I'm even okay with him saying that the filibuster needs to be abolished because that's been trounced out before. We'll get into that a little bit later. But he went one step further in his urge to get lawmakers to support this legislation. Here's, here's what he said in Atlanta. How do you want to be remembered? At consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be the side, on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? This is the moment to decide, to defend our elections, to defend our democracy. Race baiting. Uh, I mean, you yeah. can't get any worse than that one. Uh, you know, I, I get so frustrated in listening to the whole concept of we need to unify America, but the number one thing that we do is to drive a wedge. Mm -hmm. That entire speech out of Atlanta did nothing to unite the states of America, but instead to divide and, and really... I mean, it's it's offensive that you know we're we're basically told if we want to ensure that you know you are the person who's showing up to vote in your slot where you need to show a form of identification to be able to go and vote and they strike off your name that 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 is akin to segregation. That's akin to George Wallace. That's akin to Jefferson Davis. That's akin to slavery. Well, there's there's some more issues in this. By the way, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Joe serve with George Wallace at one point? Anyway, not the point. The point is... Yes, and they were both Democrats at the time. Correct. You are traipsing out the idea that if you don't support my piece of legislation because it is good and it is right, and you should believe that. If you don't, you are rebellious. You want the end. And and see, this is the line that's been drawn since January 6th of 2021, that if you're not on my side, you're against America. If you're not for my politics, you are against America. If you are not for my legislation, you are a racist. And at what point – this is just bad politics, first of all. This is very bad politics. Even deeper, it's not good morality. I don't like – I don't like when conservative presidents no. say these types of things no, because it's ridiculous, and it's, and it's just awful. You can't castigate it in 50% of the country as rebellion. Well, and, and Dave has his class of civics. Let me introduce you to a fairly stable political ideology or a political framework. Usually when we run campaigns and there are elections, we work toward the middle. We find that those independents that we can chip off, three, five, seven percent of Americans in a presidential election that we can chip off. However, today the ideology is galvanize the base. Make sure your base turns out. And so what ends up happening is a conservative president will say, I want unity as long as it's my idea. And a liberal president, presidential candidate will do the same thing. And so what we have is further division and divisiveness 
only based on can I get my people out to vote. And so really, this is not unifying at all. This is just trying to drive his base ahead of the midterm elections in November. Well, in this speech, again, we have to make sure that setting matters because this speech was given in Atlanta. This speech was given after laying a wreath at a Martin Luther King Jr. memorial. This speech was given in the state of Georgia, which had the Major League Baseball's All-Star Game ripped from them. Mm -hmm. uh, Okay, I'm just uh, let's just do the little irony here. Okay. The All-Star Game is stripped out of Atlanta. And where's the world's? World Series, the World Champions. Series, the World Series trophy is currently sitting, sitting inside in the confines of Truist Field and Truist Atlanta, Park. Georgia. And as much as this is yes, going to irritate me, for all of you that listen to this, that live in Georgia, I grew up in Augusta, just about an hour and a half down the road. Who wins the college national football championship? Georgia Bulldogs. So, so the, the point is that the All Star Game yeah. got ripped from them because of a because of right. I'm, and I'm using quotes here suppressive voter laws. The game was then moved to Colorado, which actually has more scrutinizing law sure. over elections than Georgia. And guess who has the most? Delaware. It's quite interesting because former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker and I are friends, and we were talking uh, after this happened. We were at a meeting together in in uh, Washington back in August. He said, here's the funny part about this. The Democratic National Convention was happening in Milwaukee. He said, our voter laws are tougher in Wisconsin than the new laws in Georgia. And yet they're going to move everything, all of this stuff out of Georgia, but they're still going to come to Milwaukee. It's political theater. They're ca- really what it is. They're castigating half the country because here's, we just said this a few moments ago, based on the polling numbers, based on the favorability, the president's administration is underwater right now. Minus 11. The vice president did an interview with the Today Show. You can't get, no offense, Craig, you can't get more <laughs> softball than the Today Show. Okay? You're going to get tossed softballs. And I'm convinced she can't do an interview. You need you need to go full 2020 campaign with her. Put her put her in a room. Shut the door. Don't let anyone. Maybe talk they to could her. do a baking segment. That would be perfect. Well, here's the thing: she doesn't know what she's doing, and so now you have it at both ends. So the only thing you can do because you're struggling is to castigate half of the country. Again, I don't care about their political party. No president should be saying these things. No one should be saying these things. To castigate and and to claim that half of the country are rebellious as the folks in 1860 Mm -hmm. who – we fought a whole war over this. We're good. We're done. The Civil Rights Act was passed in the 1960s. And again, I I challenge you, if you're listening, my email is justin at palmettofamily.org. Find me one law. Find me one law that grants more power to one specific person based on race than another. And then I'll go one step further. Find me one specific instance where someone, I want a name and I want a location, where they were denied the right to vote. You find it for me. You find it for me. It was interesting back in 2011 when we passed the the voter ID law in South Carolina. We went so far, and it was it was part of the compromise. Governor Haley was a part of this. She was like, listen, 
we will pick you up. We will take you to your local DMV, and we will give you a an identification card for free mm-hmm. so that you can have an identification so that when you go in to vote, you've got a photo ID. And you can't make that any easier. By the way, it was a Democratic president in the 90s who established Motor Voter. His name was Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton established the idea that a person could receive a voter registration card at the main place you get your ID, the DMV. The Department of Motor Vehicles is where you get an ID. Whether it's a driver's license or an ID card, that's where you get it. Bill Clinton, a Democratic president, set that up. Now, there were a lot of other things in this law, the Georgia law, and there are a lot of other things that they're trying to push, like a national or a federal holiday on voting or on election day. They're trying to push uh, extended hours and a lot of other things. Let me just say this. I, you know, I've been to a baseball game. I've been to a football game. And occasionally we picked up tickets at Will Call. You know what I needed every time I got my tickets from Will Call at the stadium? My ID. ID. Mm -hmm. If I need an ID with my picture and my name and my address on it to confirm my identity for a game, this isn't a game. This is bigger than a game. This determines where we go as a country. It, the stakes are slightly higher. I can't it, get I can't get on an airplane hello. without you a photo ID. You can't book a hotel room. You can't cash a check without a photo ID. So here's where I want to go with this before we move to the filibuster side of things. If that's the case, if we're saying the institution of voter ID disenfranchises minorities, they don't have an ID. They don't have a driver's license. I'm confused. Tim Scott, the greatest form of racism is the soft bigotry of low expectations. This is garbage to tell me that a certain person, because of their ethnicity or their location, can't do something. But that was actually part of the debate back in 2011, guys. It was. It was part of the debate, is that there are there are people within the state of South Carolina who do not have a government-issued photo ID, which is the reason why... Yeah. We made it free that we would actually come and pick you up. And, and, and there were a handful of people who actually did it. If it is that important to you, this is not a Jim Crow law. This is not some sort of education test. It's nothing like that. It is simply saying, I am going to prove that I am who I say I am. Yep. Well, the, pre- the current president says this isn't even Jim Crow. This is, this is Jim Eagle. Jim Crow 2.0. Jim Crow 2.0 yeah. or Jim Eagle, which I don't know who Jim I'm Eagle not is. I'm not quite sure who Jim Eagle is either. Uh, but Bigger then, than a crow. That's what he was going for. Uh, <laughs> so we move. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I just, I just, let's go, let's go one step further then. Okay. Let's talk about who was not at the president's speech. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Bingo. Abrams, who has said, I am running for governor of Georgia again. So so she's the incumbent running again. Right. She is the she is the incumbent Democrat running against the incumbent Republican. Here's the thing about it. She said, I am not going to it. 
She said, I want action, not speeches. This is what she said. Georgia activists have poured themselves into the fight to protect the freedom to vote nationwide while executing a fundamental expansion of power to a diverse electorate in our state. They've registered, engaged, and inspired hundreds of thousands of Georgians, particularly voters of color, to exercise their electoral might, resulting in a political transformation of our state. The reality is you've registered people to vote. Here's an interesting fact. Conservatives... When conservatives register to vote, their turnout for the the next election is 81%. Yep. Liberals, Democrats, progressives, their registration, if they register, their percentage of turnout is 67%. Two-thirds versus four-fifths. And the reality is, you, you just got to look at the numbers real quick, folks. You need to be registered to vote. If you're not registered to vote, then get registered to vote. It's not that hard. You can have a voter registration drive at your work, at your church, at yep. your civic organization. You need to get people involved because guess what? That's part of the American process. I tell students, I teach a government class. Students in my class, if you're 18 years old, you have to register, you have to vote, or I'll fail you. Why? Because it is a civic duty and responsibility that you have as an American to participate in our electoral process. Stacey Abrams was not there. As far as I know, Senators Raphael Warnock and... John Ossoff. John Ossoff, thank you, for very forgettable, uh, were not there. <laughs> Again, not wanting to hitch their wagon. And I know we have to move to the next topic, but here's, here's where I'll end here. I had the same complaints regarding the previous presidential election and some of the claims after that. If there is widespread voter suppression... If, if, if states are trying to disenfranchise voters to negatively impact minority voters who you have, I guess, just claimed that all minorities vote for you and your specific party, then how is it that, one, you are now the president, that you flipped the Senate to a slim majority, and that both of your senators from the state of Georgia flipped party? Just, I'll leave it there. Now, we go to, that's how the president is trying to push publicly. Now, he did meet with Senators Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, and after that meeting, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin both said, thanks but no thanks, we're not going to abolish the filibuster. That was part of Joe Biden's pitch the other day, was that in order to do this, if we got to get rid of the filibuster, man, let's do it. The Senate is the cooling agent of democracy. That's why we have the Senate. The ho Again, basic civics lesson. I'll step in and, and play the role of Dave Wilson for a second. <laughs> the House of Representatives gives representation based on population number. That's why the state of South Carolina has seven representatives, and that's why Texas has far more, mm -hmm. and that's why Rhode Island has a few less. And then you have the Senate, where it's equal representation, and they're the deliberative body. And within the deliberative, deliberative body, we don't allow the majority to run roughshod over the minority. That's not what we do. That's not a smart way to govern. And one tool in the Senate is the filibuster. Well, that's where I find it very interesting that Stacey Abrams, after the speech, she released a statement that, that basically applauded the president and vice president saying they made it clear, quote, they made it clear again today that they're committed to restoring the Senate to safeguard our democracy. Mm. Actually, I, I think that's totally opposite. I think Absolutely. when you want to 
eliminate the filibuster, when you want to eliminate the ability for a cool down period. I don't know if any of you have ever like lost your temper ever <laughs> on anything, but sometimes they say, you know, you need to go have a timeout. Mm-hmm. You need to cool down. You need to get your head back together. And I tell my kids when they're working on their homework and they just get frustrated. I said, would you go take a shower? Just, just go take a bath. Go yeah. take a shower. Take 10 minutes. Yes. Get away. Yeah. Get away from this, and then we can come back to it. And it, once you get your head cleared, that's part of the responsibility of the Senate. The filibuster is, hey, we need to take a timeout. We need to think through this process. And if we don't, we're going to be, and no offense to the members of the House, we're going to be just like the House ramming everything mm-hmm. through. And that's part of the way why we have a bicameral system of our legislature so that the House, who represents the – that's the the representation that is the closest to you, Mm -hmm. whether it's your state House representative or your U.S. congressman or congresswoman. They're the ones that are the closest to you, and they're hearing from you, and they're the ones that have the pulse. But the Senate has a responsibility of taking what's coming across – and thinking about it, deliberating on it, and looking how it fits not only within your congressional district, not just within your state, but how does it apply to the entire United States of America for the long haul? And the question is, do you really want to take away a measure that allows you to say, I'm going to put on the brakes, pause, and think? Because here's the thing, if they flip it in one direction, then guess what? When the majority flips in the House or the, or, the, or the Senate again, do you do they want it going in the opposite direction? Because it will. Oh, it's definitely a sword that cuts both ways. Dave, what you're talking about there with your kids, to me what that sounds like is called wisdom. In fact, the Senate, as originally introduced by the Romans, was to be the body of wisdom. It was widely known that those that voted uh, may have brown hair. But those that voted and ruled and judged and offered opinions in the Senate, they had silver hair, or in my case, no hair. Uh, They were the ones who had grown up and grown wise. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be old to be a senator, but there's certainly certainly something to be said there about wisdom. You know, the Bible clearly talks about wisdom. Really what we're doing here is stripping the safeguards and protections granted by the Constitution because our founders understood that this bicameral, as Dave just mentioned, this bicameral structure of the House and Senate inside the Congress, that one was to be close to the people and the other one was to exhibit wisdom. And today... Today, wisdom is apropos. It is outdated. It is antiquated. Well, I go back to Proverbs eleven fourteen. There you go. Okay. So in, in the NLT, it reads like this. Without wise leadership, a nation mm. falls. There is safety in having many advisors. There is something to be said when you take the time to sit down and have conversations and look at things and deliberate on them. And sometimes we don't like that. We don't like the pause that's taking place. I can tell you with certainty right now, there's some people within the Democratic Party who do not like the fact that there is a pause going on right now when it comes to voting rights. They, they believe that voting rights have been suppressed. Be that right or be that wrong, that's how they feel. But what you don't want is someone running roughshod over what you think when you need 
a time of deliberation, a time for wisdom, because without wise leadership, a nation falls. Well, the lick your finger and hold it up in the air, whatever the political winds are blowing, that's where it's going to go. There, there needs to be a cool-down period, because if you ram roughshod, you change the country for generations, and with the wrong legislation, you could end the country, mm. as you just saw. Now, here's the thing about this. Depending on what time of the decade or the century, opinions have changed. Here is Senator, now Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, talking about the filibuster. The bottom line is very simple. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the Founding Fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. We will not let them. They want, because they can't get their way on every judge, to change the rules in midstream, to wash away 200 years of history, they want to make this country into a banana republic where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Are we going to let them? No! I would like to introduce Chuck Schumer in 2005 to Chuck Schumer in 2022. Chuck had more hair there. Um, the hey. co- Oh, gosh. Listen, it's just interesting how minds and hearts change so quickly. And it's really it's so sad. Because as we are recording this, the story has just come out, Martin Luther King III mm. says, history will remember Senator Kristen Sinema unkindly mm. because she wouldn't support filibuster changes to pass the voting rights legislation. History will remember Senator Sinema unkindly. Black and brown Americans are losing their rights to vote because of her quote-unquote stubbornness in her optimism. That right there, it's just so frustrating. And this is where you, you really have to be honest, folks. It does not matter whether you carry an R or a D behind your ideology. We operate within a structure because the structure works. We would love to, as conservatives, be able to see things pass through quickly and get it done and get it over with. But at the same time, how many times do you really want to have that happening in your home where somebody's running roughshod over you, where somebody says, we're doing it my way or the highway? There's, there's part of a relationship, and keep in mind, we are in a relationship in America with 330 million other Americans. They may not agree with us right now. I'm not saying we back off on what we believe, but we work through the process in a way where we realize this. Guess what, folks? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not your final home. That's right. We are aliens in a foreign land. We happen to be living in America, in an American structure. But guess what? We spend eternity with people that we may not politically agree with. You're going to spend eternity with people who do not have the same amount of melanin in their skin that you do. Right. And there's a place where what we're watching happening right now is it's beyond 
It is. It, Can I give you another word? Yeah. Reactionary. So much of what we see right now is just knee-jerk reaction. If you've ever had an argument with your spouse, the worst thing you can do is in the moment react. What do you need in that case? You probably need a cool down and you need a whole lot of wisdom. And what we're seeing right now is reaction after reaction after reaction. If they don't like this, then we'll try that. If they don't like that, we'll try those. If they don't like those, we'll try these. And what we see is reaction after reaction. And Dave, to your point, I think this is key for us to understand as pilgrims in a foreign land, there must be a steady, measured, consistent, proactive voice. That voice, ladies and gentlemen, should come from God's people. It should come from a biblical worldview and perspective. And that is what we're aiming to do here at Palmetto Family. Don't react. Don't go with the cultural norm of reaction after reaction after reaction. Be steady. But here's the sad part. Because if you listen to what people who are are wanting the changes to take place in the Senate are saying of Kristen Sinema, this is, quote, will be in Phoenix this weekend to remind mm-hmm. Senator Sinema that Dr. King once said that time is always right to do what is right. They're going to come in there. They're going to come in. They're going to protest. I mean, this is a woman who's getting bombarded in a bathroom in an airport and- for simply stating, I'm, I want us to continue to operate with an ability to have a cool-down period so that we can find ways to work together. And by the way, she's in, at worst, a purple state. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Joe Manchin is a Democrat senator from a red state. Here's the important thing to remember about the Senate. The Senate and the House, this, this bicameral system, doesn't allow for one specific party and one specific section of the country to run everything for everybody. I'm I'm glad we have the Electoral College and the House and the Senate all working together. So what I have in my life in West Columbia, South Carolina, is not totally dictated by what the ideologues in Sacramento, California want me to do or, or in New York. And I'm sure the people in the boroughs of New York are glad that Texas and, and Florida don't get to tell them what to do. That's why we have states. That's why we have representatives. That's why I have senators. So it's important to keep Keep your focus, because understand what we've outlined here, we're going to continue to follow this because I think we're going to begin to see a trend. It's January the 14th. As we move closer to November, I believe the writing's already on the wall, personally. As we move closer to November, these things will continue to ramp up. They will continue to grow louder. It will continue to grow more and more tempestuous as we move closer and closer and closer to November. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So, at the end of the day, you need to understand, and we all need to understand, why certain... Don't worry that certain things are happening. Understand why. Why? That's right. Why did the president go to Atlanta? Why did he invoke these names? Why Why now? Why did no one else join him? Well, why are they wanting to abolish the filibuster? Why? 
everything has a context. Okay, so when you're thinking about things in, in politics, you have to look at things contextually. I, I, as a recovering journalist, I gladly sit down with every reporter who comes to cover the state house in Columbia because we live in a market with a group of, of reporters who come and go every three or four years. You've got a new cub reporter who's now the new state house reporter. And we sit down with them and put what's going on into context. If you don't understand how some bureaucracies are set up within our government, you don't understand what was going on contextually in 1895 when we changed the Constitution. If you don't see those things and understand that, then all you're doing is you're looking at the most recent little piece of information and not looking at it in its long story, because there's a story that goes behind all of this. And, you know, when Kristen Cinema says on this floor of the Senate last Thursday, there's no need for me to restate my position. She explained that she was opposing any changes to the filibuster rule with their 60-vote majority because it would lead to spiraling division in the country. How do you stop spiraling division? It's what Chuck Schumer said. It's in the cooling saucer of the Senate. And that's part of why, when you look at this, you've got to step back and, and ask the question, what's really going on here, contextually? That's exactly um, what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Paul, speaking to the church at Ephesus, says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best, uh, best use of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. They're broken. They're short. And what we see right now from many on the left, and, and I hate to completely divide so quickly, but what we're seeing from those on the left is reactionary because we only have a short amount of time. The Bible and a Christian worldview says, take your time, make the best use of your time, walk wisely because the days are short. There's no question about that. By the way, as we follow this, I wanted to bring this up today, but we won't just, I would encourage you to look into some of the op-eds that have been recently written and get an idea of where the tea leaves are going. It's just fascinating when you get into it. And I will leave you with this on a Friday. By the way, if you want to get more information about Palmetto Family, the legislative session has started. We'll be producing every week a legislative update from the state house as to what's going on inside the state house that week. You can find that on the Palmetto Family Council app. Make sure you download the app from your app store, Apple or, or Google Play, wherever you have your, your app store. Also, make sure you follow us on Facebook as we are constantly, and all social medias, we're constantly updating you there. Make sure you subscribe to our, our email newsletter. And of course, subscribe to the podcast here on Palmetto Family Matters. I leave you with this. As one great philosopher said, it is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. We'll talk again on Tuesday.